Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, here with you today with an update to one of the biggest stories in technology today. And that is, of course, the pending, question mark, acquisition of Twitter by Elon Musk. Now, if you've been following this story, either here in Virtual Legality, along with us in the playlist, Elon Musk, the fallout from Twitter, or elsewhere on the internet, you know that that acquisition is merely pending right now because Elon Musk has attempted to say the deal is terminated. Or as I put it in thumbnail form, deal over, Elon hits eject. Now in the actual title to this video, I said, or is it? Which was complained about by some in my comments to that video. But the reason I said that is not only because that video featured some of the ways in which Twitter might otherwise defend itself, but also featured the notion that Twitter could in fact try to enforce the deal in the Delaware Court of Chancery, which is the Delaware court focused on business deals like this one, because Elon Musk had otherwise agreed to go forward with the deal. It's a binding commitment. Now, it is a binding commitment that has been signed by both parties with conditions attached, which means if those conditions aren't met, then one or the other party can walk away but there's a fight going on here. Now, in order to talk about what Twitter responded with yesterday, or more specifically over the weekend, we first have to do the too long, didn't read version of this nearly hour long video, just to have the right context in play. If you already know this from that earlier video, you can skip ahead. I'll do chapters in this video, but for the rest of us, we need to talk about the state of play right now. So first, we know that Elon Musk has guaranteed a billion dollar payment to Twitter if what? If the company terminates that agreement. Under these sections, if the termination happens from the company side of things, the parent termination fee is owed by Elon Musk. When can the company terminate the deal? They can terminate for among other reasons, when Elon Musk or his subsidiary enterprises that are the actual bodies that are going to be purchasing Twitter under this arrangement, otherwise breach. And what is the main obligation that they have under the agreement? Well, as you might expect, it's to pay the shareholders of Twitter money in exchange for those Twitter shares. So one of the things I said in that earlier video was, this is a move by Elon that is not without risk. So we'll talk about what he decided to do in respect of this particular situation. But suffice to say, he says the the agreement is terminated because Twitter has breached its obligations. If he's wrong, if a third party judge in Delaware or elsewhere decides that he isn't correct, that Twitter has breached its agreement, then frankly, Elon breached the agreement by going out there and saying, I'm refusing to close this deal when, if that court decides there wasn't a breach by Twitter, he had no authority to do so. And that's the fight right now. I also wanted to clarify a point from the earlier video that was raised by Rafi Melkonian on Twitter's very popular Twitter lawyer. And he says, there's a lot of confusion on my timeline about whether Elon has a right to walk from the Twitter deal for a billion dollars. No, he would write that check right this second if he could walk away. Now that's Rafi's opinion, but it's an important point here that I do think some people have got tripped up on. Elon Musk does not have the option to simply say, I can pay you a billion dollars and this deal goes away. Instead, what Twitter has is if Elon Musk breaches, they can either try to force the deal through, as seems to be the case with what Twitter is electing to do now, or they can go ask for the billion dollars effectively as liquidated damages. And Rafi brings up this section that I haven't brought up because I don't think it's applicable right now, but he points out that this power rests with Twitter. Notwithstanding anything here into the contrary, lawyers got to get the words in, including the availability of the parent termination fee or other monetary damages. So notwithstanding the fact that we could ask him for a billion dollars, 
at Twitter, we don't have to. It is hereby acknowledged and agreed that the company shall be entitled to specific performance. The legal magic words for we can force you to do a thing. We don't have to just take money or other equitable remedy to enforce parent and acquisition subs obligations. That's Elon to cause the equity investor. That's specifically Elon to fund the financing or to enforce the equity investors obligation to fund the financing directly and to consummate the closing. Said another way, the power rests with Twitter to decide what it wants to do if Elon Musk otherwise looks like he is going to breach. Now, that doesn't get Twitter out of the situation in which they breach. And that's what Elon Musk elected to go after right here. When can he do these various things? Well, it's a condition of the obligations of Elon Musk that Twitter shall have performed or complied in all material respects with its obligations under the agreement before he has to close. So what did Elon Musk and his team look at here from a legal perspective? I'm not accusing them of deliberately looking for loopholes in the contract. I'm just saying once you've decided that you're going to terminate, you look for what areas of the contract allow you to do so. And he found that he had the right to terminate this agreement for a breach or failure to perform by Twitter that had a 30-day notice period that he says started from a letter that he sent to Twitter on what? Their refusal to give him enough information on the bots or fraudulent accounts that might otherwise be operating at Twitter. And we talked about it at length in the previous video. I'm not going to go over that again here. Suffice to say, Elon says it's more than 5% of your user base are fake or spammy or whatever else it might be. Twitter says, no, that's not right. Here's the data. Elon Musk says, that's not the data I asked for, et cetera, et cetera. And then he says that they aren't complying with this provision of the agreement that otherwise mandates for them that they have to provide information that he requests if it's related to the consummation of the transactions consummated by the agreement. Now, that language doesn't line up perfectly for him. Whether his requests are reasonable doesn't necessarily line up perfectly for him, but it's going to come down to facts and circumstances if this winds up in litigation, right? And if we go back to Rafi Melkonian's Twitter thread here, he covers a lot of what we've talked about here, but he says, hey, those people that say Elon's right, they're breaching by not giving this info. He says correctly, maybe. That's what the trial will be for but the provision is not favorable to Musk on its face. Now he says that because it's not directly aimed at what Elon Musk wants. And as I said in that video, the history of this particular scenario is that Twitter was supplying things, could have been slow rolling it, could have been playing hardball with some of it, but was supplying things throughout the period of time from the quote unquote notice of termination that he gave and then terminating the contract in of itself. None of this is clean. And all of it is suggestive of a person who isn't fully dotting I's and crossing T's and playing in the normal way that these kinds of mergers and acquisitions play out. Nothing against Elon Musk, but that's just the fact of the matter. He is doing things that even I, who've gone through the merger mill a few times uh, now, isn't recognizing as normal behavior for a principal. To his credit, I know to a number of you, but that's the fact of the matter on the ground. Now, that's the situation, right? Elon doesn't want to pay a billion dollars. More importantly, he doesn't want to go through with this deal. Or, as a number of you have brought up, he wants to lower the price because that price becomes more and more separated from what the underlying value of Twitter appears to be, either because you believe him on the bots and other things that he's raising in this particular context, or simply because Twitter appears to be losing its core value proposition along with the rest of the market in a very tumultuous year here in 2022, especially in the United States and the tech sector. So Twitter looks at it and says, no, 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 you offered us $54, $54 sounds great. I have a number of comments in my social media feeds on Twitter, ironically enough, that say, hey, why would they not want to do the deal? 
There's parts of this playlist that talk about them swallowing a poison pill in order to avoid the deal. Then they sign up to the deal. Now they want to force the deal. And the answer to that is money. The answer to that is fiduciary responsibility, right? Even when they adopted their poison pill plan, I said the board was on a tightrope here because $54 seemed like a reasonable offer, seemed like an offer that Elon Musk could put together with his financing sources, although more on that towards the end of the video. And then the board really should have to go through the fiduciary process of evaluating that deal. It's not their company. It is the stockholders' company. It's not their money to keep out of stockholders' hands. And so at the end of the day, they evaluate it and said, okay, I guess it's a good deal and we'll sign up this agreement with Elon Musk. And now that Elon Musk has signed it up and Twitter has been operating under the shadow of being acquired for many months now, they want to say, hey, no, you're going to drive our share price down. Our shareholders deserve $54. And outside of any other consideration that the board might have, that's their fiduciary responsibility to say, if this is the best deal we think we can get right now, if this is effectively overpaying for the company, we have every right and perhaps obligation to go and try to make this deal happen. And that's in fact what they are doing. Now it's worth also noting, I went to go look for Twitter responses here because I knew they'd filed some letters with the SEC yesterday. And interestingly enough, their investor relations thread, the investor relations account hasn't tweeted out anything since June 3rd. And what did they tweet out on June 3rd? They tweeted that the Hart Scott Rudino waiting period had expired. Now, if you've been with us in virtual legality for a while, you know the Hart-Scott-Rodino or HSR waiting period is effectively how the U.S. evaluates antitrust concerns. The antitrust concerns in the U.S. are never approved by one of our regulators. They instead just allow the timing window to complete. Now, it's worth noting here that it doesn't appear that the FTC or the DOJ, at least according to this Twitter press release, took a special interest in this deal, which is something of a surprise to me, both because of its size of $44 billion and because of the special place that both big technology and social media kind of are working in, in the government of the United States itself. But here, Twitter says effectively that window expired. Now, there might be more to that story. We've seen tell of the FTC and the DOJ not having enough resources to cover all these deals and giving essentially hold letters to various companies that say, yes, it expired and you can close the deal, but we don't recommend it because we're reserving the right to continue investigating. And in any deal in the United States, the FTC or the DOJ can turn around years down the line. We've seen this with Facebook and say, actually, no, that deal should be unwound. Now that presents its own problem in economic circles. We're not going to go into too much here, but suffice it to say, Twitter has put out a press release that says we're clear effectively on the U.S. regulatory concerns, putting them in more of a position to be done with this deal. Right. As we looked at that power provision that Rafi of Twitter brought up, one of the reasons I haven't referenced it before is it because it does require Twitter to be done with all of its obligations. Twitter to otherwise be sitting at the table ready to get those wires for all the stock to otherwise leave its stockholders hands. And that's not where Twitter is right now. But this is a big move in that direction. So Twitter starts to say this deal is all but done from our perspective. What are you doing, Elon Musk? And Twitter gets mad when Elon Musk, well, he does what he does, including a tweet that we talked about in the last video of this series where Brett Taylor, chairman of the board, said the Twitter board is committed to closing the transaction on the price and terms agreed upon with Mr. Musk and plans to pursue legal action to enforce the merger agreement. We are confident we will prevail in the Delaware Court of Chancery. Now, why is this framed this way? Why is it on an SEC filing document? Because this sounds like a public corporation threatening and indeed suggesting that they will immediately engage in litigation 
against their potential acquirer to force the acquisition to happen. It is the most material kind of statement that you can make from the chairman of the board seat. And so it deserves this disclosure to the rest of the shareholders of Twitter. But that's not where Twitter left off. Instead, they filed a letter, or more specifically, the firm that they hired, which is Wachtell Lipton, filed a letter yesterday or over the weekend that they filed with the SEC yesterday that talks about why they think they are in the right in this particular action. July 10th, 2022, to Skadden, Arp, Slate, Meager, and Flom, which is Elon Musk's attorneys. Dear Mr. Ringler, this letter is sent on behalf of Twitter Inc. in response to your July 8th, 2022 letter in which X Holdings 1 Inc. purports to terminate the agreement and plan of merger by and among Twitter, X Holdings 1, X Holdings 2, and Elon Musk. Capitalized terms used here and not otherwise defined have the meanings ascribed to them in the agreement. You got to love this language right at the top, right? You know what this letter is going to be about. Even in the reline, which I didn't highlight here, it's the word purported. And we talked about this at length. If Elon Musk doesn't have the right to terminate the deal, and that is the kind of thing as fellow lawyer Raffi of Twitter comments on, that's the kind of thing that a court can determine. If Elon Musk didn't have that right, if Twitter was essentially fulfilling its obligations by getting the data to Elon, even if it isn't in his preferred form, but otherwise engaging in good faith to get this over the finish line, well, then Elon Musk doesn't have the right to terminate that agreement. And if he doesn't have the right to terminate the agreement, the agreement isn't terminated. If you don't have the right or the power or the authority, the, di- the deal isn't done. And then all those provisions that Twitter says, hey, we can force this deal if we're otherwise done with our obligations come into play. So it's a purported termination. It was attempted. It doesn't matter. He doesn't have the right to do that. So Twitter's lawyers contact Elon's lawyers and say, good try. Mr. Musk's and the other Musk party's purported termination is invalid and wrongful. And it constitutes a repudiation of their obligations under the agreement. Now that's important as well. If, says this letter, Twitter wanted to not push for the deal to happen, but instead say, not only did we not breach, Elon Musk breached, and now he owes us a billion dollars, that would be within their power because Elon Musk going out publicly with an SEC filed letter saying, you're in breach, I have no intention of finishing this deal, is a quote unquote repudiation. We can now take it as fact that Elon Musk does not intend to fulfill his obligations under the agreement, which are, of course, paying money to the stockholders and taking ownership of Twitter. With that repudiation in our back pocket, we could go ask for that billion dollars, or as we have elected to do here, we can choose to go try to force the deal and get that money for our stockholders. Contrary to the assertions in your letter, Twitter has breached none of its obligations under the agreement, and Twitter has not suffered and is not likely to suffer a company material adverse effect. That second part of the argument that Elon Musk and his team raised basically said, look, we found reason to believe there's a lot more than 5% that are bots on your platform, and we think the SEC will take an interest in that. And if the SEC takes an interest in that, well, then your company value is going to go down because you've been lying to a federal regulator and we want no part of that. Instead, Twitter, through their counsel here, responds, not only have we not breached, we've been giving you the information you want, we haven't misstated anything to the SEC. There is no likelihood of a company material adverse effect. You are just twisting around to try to get out of this deal, and we're not going to let you. The purported termination is invalid for the independent reason that Mr. Musk and the other Musk parties have knowingly, intentionally, willfully, and materially breached the agreement. Said another way, you can't terminate agreement that you are otherwise acting in bad faith on. You're breaching, you're trying to get out of it. You can't take the quote unquote high road and say, we're breaching and get out of the deal because you have breached not only 
the sections that we're going to reference here, but including but not limited to these sections. And what sections are those? First, they say you breached 6.3. What section 6.3 says subject to the terms and conditions of this agreement, the parties here too will use their respective reasonable best efforts to consummate and make effective the transactions contemplated by this agreement and to cause the conditions to the merger set forth in this agreement to be satisfied, including a list of things, primarily which are related to third parties and government filings and things like that. But broadly, in the umbrella terminology used in this provision, you will do your best to make sure this deal gets across the finish line. And so they're accusing Elon Musk through his requests or other communications we might not know about just on this letter, that they weren't doing that. They were acting in bad faith. We talk about the common law understanding of good faith and fair dealing when there's $44 billion on the line. You put that into the contract specifically. And here they say Elon Musk has violated that provision because it's clear that he's playing games, right? Even before all of this happened, I was doing videos saying, is Elon Musk just fooling around? He said there's a temporary hold on the deal. That's not a power he has under the agreement. He was making all of these noises about bots and things, and yet those weren't things that he had otherwise negotiated for as part of the process of the document itself. Twitter also says he's violating 6.8. Now, what's 6.8? That is a prohibition on announcements, except as otherwise contemplated. So as long as this agreement is in effect, the company parent and acquisition sub, that's Twitter and Elon respectively, shall consult with each other before issuing any press release or otherwise making any public statements with respect to this agreement or the transactions contemplated by this agreement. And none of the parties hereto or their affiliates shall issue any such press release or make any public statement prior to obtaining the other party's consent. In addition, the company may, without parent or acquisition sub's consent, communicate to its employees, customers, suppliers, and consultants, provided that such communication is consistent with our prior communications and notwithstanding the foregoing Suffice it to say, Elon Musk is allowed to tweet about this deal as long as it isn't disparaging to us. And we did a video in this playlist questioning whether some of the things he said were disparaging and finding them really not to be in the instances that people were raising for my consideration. But the letter that he filed with the SEC was a public announcement of a type. Now, I don't think that this prohibition, this confidentiality kind of concept should apply to a notice of termination. That should be okay. If it were just a blanket notice of termination, you breached and maybe some explanation there too. But as I pointed out in that earlier video, the paragraph at the end of that letter where he just goes on to say that the 5% count is wildly undercounting and uses all this dramatic language to suggest that Twitter is doing very, very bad things and was probably lying to the SEC in its recorded statements. Those sound to me very much like public announcements, public announcements that disparage the former target and presumably disparage them either because he does want to walk away or because he wants a negotiation to reduce the price of the deal. Either way, it is a breach of this provision as best that I can read it. Obviously, that would be up to a judge in the long term, but this is a strong argument from Twitter to say, what are you doing? You didn't even need to file that notice of termination as early as you did. You didn't need to write it that way, and you sure as hell didn't need to disparage the company on your way out the door, and yet you did all those things, and we did give you the information that we think you were owed, regardless of how you might feel about Twitter's response in that particular capacity, and so you are breaching once you make that statement out in public and hurt our core business. That's a bad thing, and Twitter might have a point. Now, the last provision that they say he's violating is 6.10 thereof. Now, last, I say because that's specifically referenced, they do use that including but not limited to language to reserve the right to bring in another provision should one apply, and that is on financing. Each of the equity investor, parent and acquisition sub, the Elon Musk side of things, shall take or cause to be taken and shall cause their respective affiliates and its and their respective representatives to take or cause to be taken 
they will do all actions and to do or cause to be done all things necessary, proper, or advisable to arrange, obtain, and consummate the financing. A lot of lawyer words. Elon will go get the bank stuff done in order to pay our stockholders the money they are owed. And they say that hasn't been happening, that somehow he's been slow rolling the financing side of things, right? The agreement is not terminated, says Twitter. The bank debt commitment letter and the equity commitment letter remain in effect. And Twitter demands that Mr. Musk and the other Musk parties comply with their obligations under the agreement, including their obligations to use their respective reasonable best efforts to consummate and make effective the transactions contemplated by the agreement, including, in a parenthetical, by taking all steps necessary to obtain a favorable outcome under the United Kingdom's National Security and Investment Act 2021. I have no idea what that particular issue might be behind the scenes, but it is suggestive of there being a government regulatory issue coming from the UK on this deal that we're not otherwise getting a great deal of resolution on as we look at the question at hand. Elon Musk, they are accusing of slow rolling his equity financing and essentially using excuses to try to get out of this deal or reduce the price of the deal. And that includes issues that might otherwise be happening with third-party regulatory agencies. And again, that's exactly what Section 6.3 is directly aimed at. As it has done, Twitter will continue to provide information reasonably requested by Mr. Musk under the agreement and to diligently take all measures required to close the transaction. We didn't breach, and you're crazy for saying that we did. We've given you information that we could. Elon Musk says, you didn't give me the right information. You didn't allow me to do this analysis. You're hiding things, primarily as Elon Musk intimates, because you're hiding things from the SEC. Twitter instead responds, says, we've given you everything we're supposed to give, and by acting the way that you have done, well, then you have otherwise breached the agreement yourself, giving us all the power and you the unclean hands. That's where things rest today, and it's only likely to get more fraught in the future. Elon Musk responds to these filings and the letter from Twitter as Elon Musk is wont to do. In tweet form, they said I couldn't buy Twitter, says the meme. Then they wouldn't disclose bot info. Now they want to force me to buy Twitter in court. Now they have to disclose bot info in court. Maybe yes, maybe no. It's a little bit unclear as to what direction the court case would have to go to force them to disclose it to the court. But who knows? Elon Musk is now tweeting out memes suggesting that he is a genius and he's got Twitter in what? Chuck mate, as he says. Again, memeing against Twitter that he has outthought them, outplanned them, and knows exactly what he's doing in this instance. Now, I can't speak for that. I can't speak to whether Elon Musk is going entirely to plan here. I can say uh, that this is a wild card actor, as I described him early in this series, that I literally cannot predict the next movement from. That said, this deal isn't over yet. The transaction isn't over yet. This litigation fight isn't over yet. And we will be following it closely here in virtual legality. If you enjoy this kind of content, the discussion of business and law, of technology platforms, software, pop culture, video games, and more, please consider supporting us. We've got a Utreon that gets the most resources directly to us. We've also got Patreon, which takes a little bit more, but I know a number of you like that platform better. And one of the tiers that you can support us on at Utreon and Patreon is sponsoring an episode for the month, just as Falkus Vipus, a constant sponsor and dear friend of the channel at this point, thank you so much for helping support the channel, has done for this particular episode. Special thanks to Falkus Vipus. Again, if you want to support the channel like Falkus has done, you can check out those platforms. Or if you're not interested in that, just subscribing, telling your friends, upvotes, downvotes, comments, all the stuff that YouTube likes, every little bit helps the channel grow and be seen. 
If you saw this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. 